So last week, we uh, kind of had an overview of 1 John. And if you remember, if you were here, one of the things that we were talking about is that 1 John's not really about, you know, how to get eternal life. It's for people who already have it and yet aren't living it out. Um, you, you, you're going to live forever. You're going to get dragged into heaven. And yet, you're trying to live a different way. You're try, you've got eternal life coursing through your veins. It's deep in your belly, but you just don't activate it. You just don't experience it. You're not living it out on your day-to-day, day-in, day-out kind of experience. Instead, the eternal life um, is just kind of buried, and, and, and it's, it's, it's not able, able to be easily accessed. And, and then we, we, we talked about how John says, hey, I'm going to kind of guide you into what it looks like to live eternal life out. But we also said, but he's not going to give us a, a list of rules, do's and don'ts. This is how it's going to be. This is, this is what eternal life is. This is what it isn't. It's going to be a little more organic than that. Now, there's a reason for this. And the reason is that human beings, uh, we, we like a lot of rules, but rules don't actually get us where we want to be. And this, we, we all know this um, if we've ever been a part of a diet fad. Uh, these are really, really cool ways to lose weight. I don't know, have you heard of the, um, the intermittent uh, fasting? It's so hot right now. I read an article about it. Hugh Jackman, Wolverine. Uh, Hugh ja- Nobody? Hugh Jackman? I mean, okay. You, I mean, he's a stud. Like, and this guy, has, he's, he's a part of the intermittent fasting movement. Uh, the way it works is if you want to lose weight, you're only allowed to eat from like 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then you can't eat from 6.01 p.m. all the way until 10 a.m. the next day. So you're fasting. For, and, but here's the deal. The good news is you can have whatever you want in between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. But there's a catch. You also, once a week, have to fast for 36 hours. And then, once a month, you have to fast for 72 hours. Very complicated. But, but here's the deal, though. I haven't read the book. Um, there's a book, uh, there's a guru out there who, who has created the intermittent fasting uh, craze. And I haven't read it, so I don't know how it works scientifically. But, um, but apparently, you, if you do this, you are guaranteed to go from whatever the weight you are right now to um, what you were when you were on the high school football team. Uh, when you were the, the captain of the cheer squad. Okay, this thing, it's, it's foolproof. Hugh Jackman approved... Uh, I mean, so we know that it's great. I mean, if Wolverine can do it, you can do it. Well, I suggest to you that uh, fa- uh, diet fads, um, actually the reason they're fads and the reason there's like a million of them is that, well, a, a nice list of do's and don'ts, um, it, it, it sounds great to begin with, um, but then when you, you start to get into it, you realize it's actually really hard to do. In fact, um, the real way uh, to, to live your life is, is something in between of do's and don'ts. It's something in between. It's a little more organic. But regardless, as human beings, we're always excited about the next set of rules. And because we're excited about the next set of rules, we're always excited about the next guru who comes and will show us how to live our lives rightly and to be the people that we've always desired and, and thought that we should be. And John knows this. John knows it. And in, t- in today's text, he's going to start warning us about three bad gurus. We're just going to talk about the first bad guru this week. These are people who come in and they say, oh, I know how to live eternal life. I know what your life is supposed to be like. Come look at me, do as I do, and then you're finally going to be living the life you've always dreamed of, the life that you're going to be living for eternity. Just, just follow me. I'm the one. I've got it figured out. 
So this week is the fox and the hounds. Let's look at the text. John writes, he says, if we say we have union with him, and this is shorthand for if we are living eternal life with God right now, if we say that while we are walking in darkness, we lie and so are not doing the truth. But if we are walking in the light as he himself is in the light, we have union or fellowship or intimacy with one another. And so the blood of Jesus, his son, cleans us from all sin. Ladies, before we talk about the bad guru, um, I I have a little survey for the ladies here. Um, It's going to require a show of hands. I'm going to show you two pictures. You're going to have to set yourselves as though you're living in Victorian England. Uh, So, you know, the 1850s in England, something like that. And you have an option. You can marry one of two men. All right? There's only two. And I'm going to flash a picture of both of them, and you have to decide. Okay, that's the first one. Severe. Well, but you can tell he, 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 he's just not a nice guy. Yeah. But, but I mean, but kind of handsome. He does have a little bit of a John Cusack thing going, which I really like. Um, and so there might be something underneath the, the surface. Okay, and the next one. Oh! <laughs> Do they let you have hair like that in the military? Is that a thing? <laughs> you tie that sucker back when you're fighting, I guess. I mean, it, it's, it's, like, it's like a young Fabio. Um, I mean, this guy. And, and, and the uniform, I mean, right? Okay, so, show of hands, who's ready for the uh, severe, um, the severe uh, young John Cusack? Anybody? Couple people, couple, couple ladies like, like, him, like him disciplined, that's great. Okay, and uh, what, about, uh, what about young Fabio, ladies, anybody? Oh yeah, a lot of young Fabio. Cause, well, I mean, look at this guy, I mean, he's got it all. Um, this is from, if you haven't seen the movie, this is 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Jane Austen's novel, Pride and Prejudice. This is the 2005 uh, version. The first guy that we saw, that's uh, Mr. Darcy. Um, we're going to call him the Hound. And uh, the second guy, this is uh, George Wickham. He's the fox. Um, he's foxy. Uh, and if you, if, you haven't read, uh, or seen, if you haven't read Pride and Prejudice or seen one of the movies, first off, you're not living... Um, you're, you're definitely not living the eternal life because it's truly one of the finest uh, pieces of literature and cinema. I mean, Karen Knightley, she's divine. Anyway, uh, but, but here's how it works. Uh, in, in, the, in the book and in the movie, young Elizabeth Bennet is tasked with finding a suitable mate. And so she's looking for, for the one, the, her one true love, the guy that she's going to spend her life with. And into her life comes crashing Lieutenant George Wickham. He's suave, he's debonair, he's charismatic, he makes all the girls swoon. He, for whatever reason in the past, he, he's been wronged by a lot of people, and as a result, he doesn't have maybe the, the money that he was supposed to have. It was swindled away from him. But he's got a heart of gold, and every time you're in conversation with him, he makes you feel like you're the center of the universe. And Elizabeth can't help herself. She sees it because he's in the military. We know he's an officer. We know that he's probably a, a disciplined, good, honorable man. But in reality, he's a fox. He's just got a lot of show, but underneath, there's something missing. He's exactly the kind of person that John warns us about in this text. A person, I mean, John's talking about Christians, people who 
you know, or in the congregation, and they, 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 they say that they've got it figured out. They're living the eternal life, but there's something wrong with them. And they, like George Wickham, are all surface, no depth. Let's look at what he says again. John says, um, if, we have, if we say we have union with him while we are walking in darkness... Uh, one of the things to notice in the next uh, of these texts, John says, if we say, and he's kind of throwing out like an example of somebody in the congregation who says, well, I've got it figured out. I'm a guru. You can trust me. And John's met these people. and He's countering these people. John's like, he's like, I'm the real guru. I actually met Jesus. I knew him. I lived with him. I walked with him. I saw eternal life. I handled it. I lived with it. But there are some of you who say, oh, I've got the eternal life. And yet you walk in darkness. Walking in darkness, uh, d- again, notice. Notice he doesn't give you the, 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 the do's and don'ts, the secrets. This is what walking in darkness is. Bum, 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 bum. It's a little more organic. And it might be a little hard for us to grasp uh, the, the meaning uh, of that idea while we walk in darkness. It might sound like walking in darkness is just doing nasty stuff, bad things, sins and, and lies and, and, and all this bad stuff. And that might be true. That might be true. But John doesn't say that. He uses a metaphor. He says, while we walk in darkness. Now, for us, that's a little weird because we have electricity. But in the ancient world, <laughs> I had a, a professor once who said one of the hardest things for us to imagine about what it was like to live in the ancient world is for us to imagine a place that was truly dark and truly quiet. A, a place where there's no background noise. A place where there are not, there, there's, there's no light after the sun goes down. A place where you really are quiet. You really are bathed in darkness. I had an idea um, maybe to demonstrate what this would be like. In the youth group, uh, one of the games we used to play is we used to um, have two students, and we would blindfold them. And then in the middle of the, of the floor, there would be um, a Nerf gun. And, and we'd blindfold them and say, okay, go get the Nerf gun and shoot, shoot the other student. And this is a lot of fun. Not for the students. They're having a terrible time. They're bumbling around. They're falling all over each other. But it's fun to watch because we see them making fools of themselves. Why? Because they can't see. In the ancient world, if you had to go to the bathroom <laughs> at night, it was actually a really dangerous thing. You walked outside and, and, and you couldn't see very well, and you could trip, you could stumble, you could fall. If you were coming home late uh, in the ancient world after uh, a dinner party or something like that, and you didn't have light with you, it was very likely that you would never make it home because you can't see where you're going, and the paths are hard to navigate. If there's no stars and moon out at night, you're constantly going to be running into things, banging into them, tripping and falling, and getting lost. The idea that, that John's trying to bring out is that the fox, the fox is the kind of person who goes through life and keeps banging into stuff, who keeps tripping and falling. The fox is charismatic and fun and says, hey, follow me. I've got it figured out. And yet if you watch him over a long period of time, the fox is constantly falling all over himself. He's constantly getting into problems. He's constantly surrounded by failure and damage. This is the first thing in your note sheets. The fox's life is superficially enticing, but on closer examination is marred by failure and damage. Now, the reason John doesn't say, well, walking in darkness is this, 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 and this, is because this, this, and this change over time. In different uh, cultures, in different times, and in different circumstances, different types of activity, different types of ways of living become good and bad. 
Now, I'm going to get in trouble with, with some of you for saying this, but sometimes it's okay to lie. I know we say, don't lie. But sometimes it's better to lie than to tell the truth. Like, for example, if you're the Israelites, and the Pharaoh says, I'm going to kill all of your children, and you say, what? What kids? We don't have any. Or if you're hiding a Jewish person in your rafters, and the Nazis come and say, are there any Jews in your house? Now, that might not be a great thing to lie, but it's certainly better than the alternative. And so if you have a list of do's and don'ts, then it's hard to separate exactly what is going to work and what won't. And so John says, instead, instead of saying do's and don'ts, I'm going to say, look for the one who walks in darkness. And you'll be able to tell because over time, he's going to start crashing into things. He's going to trip over himself. His life is going to be surrounded by failure, and he's going to leave a trail of damage. Damage not just to himself or herself, but also to the people that he or she ostensibly cares about. Those people will be wrecked. And Elizabeth Bennett finds this out in the Pride and Prejudice when Lieutenant George Wickham, she finds, has left a trail of wreckage throughout his life. He's poor and penniless because he makes bad investments and lies to people. He has no friends because he turns on them. He's faithless. He's a fox. He looks great. But he has no depth, and he's always walking in darkness. Look at this next thing that that John mentions. He says... We lie and are not doing the truth. If you're walking in darkness and you say you've got union with God, you're lying and you're not doing the truth. Well, this is an interesting phrase, doing the truth. It only shows up actually uh, once in one other place in, 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 the, in the scriptures, and it's, it's almost unheard of in, in Greek to say that you do the truth. It's a very strange thing. And the New King James says, practice the truth. It's a, it's a strange uh, idea. What does it mean to do the truth? Well, the other place that it's brought in the scriptures is actually in the Gospel of John. And I'd like to to look at it for just a second. This is Jesus in John 3. He says, And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light. Hear the darkness and light. Because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true, who do the truth, come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. What's so important about that, the the word that should jump out is exposure. You know, there are people who prefer to walk in the darkness even though they, they bumble and they trip and they fall and they get hit and hurt, they prefer that because if the light showed up and you saw what they were doing, you would be ashamed of them. You wouldn't want to be with them. And they know it. The fox is this way. He walks in darkness not only because he likes it better, but because he doesn't want to be exposed. He doesn't want you to find out what he's really like. And, and as a result, there's something that the fox does. The fox doesn't have anyone who's close, anyone who's intimate, anyone who's, that, that he or she can be transparent with. The fox keeps you at arm's length. The fox might be a lot of fun at parties, and he might have a, a really charismatic, engaging personality, but at the end of the day, you'll never get to know him. You'll never get to spend time with him, because if you did, you'd see him for who he is, and then you would run, you'd tuck tail and run. the second thing in your note she's for fear of exposure the fox never gets close to other christians 
So John, John says, I know there's going to be people that are going to come, and they're going to tell you that they've got it figured out. They've got the diet fad that's going to fix your life, and they're going to tell you to do this, 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 and this. But look out. Look out. On a long term, do, does their life seem to be characterized by failure and damage? Does it, does it seem to be like that? No, I, I'm not knocking it. There is such a thing as misfortune. There is such a thing as, as trouble that happens. But over time, over time, does a person's life consistently, exp- uh, is it consistently characterized by that? If so, look out. Red flag, John says. This might be a bad guru. Uh, this person who says they've got it figured out and they're going to tell you how to live eternal life, do they, do, are they close? Are they open? Are they transparent with you? Can you sit down and eat with them? Can you spend time and, 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 and hang out with them? Do, do you know their life? Do you get involved in it? If not, red flag. But John doesn't stop there. He, he has a, a, a solution for us. He's got a way to, to think about it. He's got a way for us to, to, to do something different, to look for a different kind of person, not the fox, but the hound. Um, any cat people here? Yeah, I mean, if you love cats, you're insane. Like, you're just, you are just not, you're a crazy person. Uh, yeah, totally. I'm going to go get a pet, and I want this pet to hate me. Like, great. Uh, I, I want a pet <laughs> that is thinking about ways to kill me at all times. Mm. I want a pet who would rather be alone <laughs> than be with me. I'm sorry, that makes no sense to me. No, what every, everyone knows is that the best pets are dogs. Dogs are wonderful. Uh, dogs are amazing. Um, you know, dogs, you get home and they're like, oh, I wanted to see you. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're, they, they obey for the most part. We, we've done zero training for our dog, but our dog basically does what we want. When she's mad, she, she like, you know, poops in the wrong spot, but that's about it. She's basically just a very, she, she likes us and she wants to be like us. She's great. Uh, and, and wow, I mean, how affectionate. Our dog is two and a half pounds. And uh, she's very small. Seven years old. She's, she's hit that growth spurt, I tell you what. Uh, she, it's so funny. Sometimes um, when we're at my parents' house, my dad will take a nap. Um, and, you know, so it's kind of like there's the bed and there's a mountain, whereas my father. And, and Piper will, like, just sit right on top of him and fall right asleep. It's the cutest thing. Because she wants to be close to the pack, you know? She likes being with, with, with Papa. And, and she, she respects and fears me, which I love. No cat would ever do that. <laughs> well, in, in a way, I mean, so you got the fox. John says, don't, stay, don't hang out with the fox. Instead, you're looking for the hounds. You're looking for the, a, a different kind of person. And um, we'll just look. Do I have the, the pictures of... Uh, do I have this, this? Okay, so there's the fox. All right. But, but I, I chose a better picture to, for the hounds here. Oh. Here, here's a tip. Um, if a man is speaking to a woman and it's raining, I mean, and it's a movie, 84% chance they're going to start making out. 100% chance that he's going to say, I love you. For whatever reason, in the movies, whenever the rain starts, that's when, that's when emotional things happen. So... So here in this one, you can tell he's like, he's so serious. He's like, I could not be more passionate about you. You are wonderful. He's almost like a puppy dog, almost like a hound, faithful, you know, focused. And at this moment, at this moment, you know. At first you were like, give me, give me the fox. But at this moment, you're like, Mr. Darcy is the one 
for me. Listen uh, to what John has to say about the hound. He says, But if we are walking in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have union with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleans us from all sin. Walking in the light. Again, John's not going to give us the this, that, and this, the do's and don'ts, the the rules, the the diet fad for how to have eternal life. Instead, he's going to say walking in the light. What does he mean? Well, if we know our our, our scriptures, we know that in the Psalms, uh, we're taught about how to walk in the light, and and, and that's by following the word. Uh, Psalm 119 says, your word is a light to my path. I'm sorry. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's as if you um, are coming home from the dinner party and you have a lantern. And the lantern begins to expose uh, the road. It shows you where the pitfalls are and the snares and the traps. Um, and, and as you're walking, you, you get a sense of where you, where you should and shouldn't go. It doesn't tell you everything, but it tells you enough. And if you've got lights along the path, you can imagine in the ancient world something like torches or lanterns. Then you can see exactly where you're supposed to end up you're no longer in danger of getting lost on the way. Instead, you have uh, the, the, the ability to avoid getting hurt and to end up where you want to be. Um, when the psalmist says your word, he's uh, referring in the Old Testament to Torah, the, the first five books of the Old Testament, what um, we traditionally call the law. If you're really familiar with the law, then you're going to understand how the world works. You're going to know who God is. You're going to know what the human life is supposed to be shaped like. Now, law is a bad way to translate it. It would be better to call it instruction. The instruction. Uh, you can imagine um, being sitting at the feet of, 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 of a rabbi or a father, and he's explaining to you how the world is. And he says, look, here in the scriptures it says this. And look, here in the scriptures we see that, that, that Moses or David did this and that. And he says, and, and here we're, we're told this by God. And, what, and, and the reason, the, the heart, the spirit of that is to do this and this. And as you're sitting at the rabbi's feet, you begin to get a sense for how the world ought to be. It's not, do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. In fact, one of the interesting things about the Pharisees in the New Testament, the Pharisees were a sect, a small sect of, of the Jews. And, and Jesus spends a lot of time being like, you're taking it too literally. You're, you're, you're so rigid in your understanding of, of the Torah that you're not, you're not getting the shape of God's heart. You're not getting the sense for what he wants out of, out of human beings. You're missing it. Instead, the hound is the kind of person who walks in the light, who's, who's and this is in your note sheets, who, whose behavior is shaped by the scriptures. I use this word shape um, intentionally because it's not as though you, you go to the Bible and, and you, you open it up and you just put your finger down and you say, this is what God says to me today. Uh, I've done that in the past. Uh, terrible. You have to do it like five or six times. Because the first one, it's like, and you shall go to Jephthah. You're like, what? It's like, well, that didn't work. I'm going to close it and try it again. Like, uh, and now your name shall be Esau. Like, no, really? So it's very challenging if you do that. That's not how we, that's not how we read. Instead, what we're doing is we're getting the, 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 the woof and the weave, the warp and the woof of the scriptures, the, the, the sense and the feel for it, the overall picture that this is the God who saves eternally, who never gives up on his people, whose love never quits, who always saves, always redeems, and asks us to be the same way. This is the God who, who cares and loves the whole world and yet chooses a special people to show the world his goodness. 
if we get that sense of who God is, and we get the sense of what the world is like, then, shaped by that, well, it'll be like having a lantern as we walk. And we'll be able to see in life as, you know, circumstances and times change, we'll still be able to get the lay of the land and know how to walk. This is the, the, the hound. The hound is shaped by the scriptures in the same way that, that, that Piper is shaped by her pack. If you didn't know this, uh, if you have a dog, you're the dog's pack because dogs are pack animals. And so because the dog spends a lot of time with you, uh, you're shaping the dog's character by the way that you do things, the way that you run your life. And so the dog gets into rhythms Knowing exactly, oh, well, this is the time when they leave, this is the time when they return, this is the time to eat, this is the time to, to snuggle, you know, and, and, and as a result, your dog becomes shaped by your life pattern. Similarly, John says, you Christians who are in the light are shaped by your time in the scriptures. He goes on, he says, if we, but if we are walking in the light as he himself is in the light, we have union with one another. And so the blood of Jesus, his son, cleans us from all sin. Union with one another. You remember the fox? He's like, he's like, hey, I want you to think I'm awesome, but I don't want to spend any time with you. I want you to, to, to worship me, love me, but I don't want you to get to know me. Well, the hound isn't like that. The hound wants to spend time with you, to nuzzle you, to snuggle with you, to sleep on top of you. It's like in Piper's mind, my father is the dog pile. It's like, she's like, the, the, the dog wants to, to get to know you and be with you. And, and as John says, if you're having a life where you're walking in the light, you, you naturally want to begin spending time with others. And one of the reasons is you have nothing to hide, right? You can be transparent. You really are living a life that's shaped according to the word of God. You really are living a basically righteous and just and, 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 and God-tuned life. And as a result, it's okay. You don't have to, to cower in the shadows. You don't have to run away. In the song, we said the darkness tries to hide. There's no reason to hide. It's okay to be open and exposed. And as a result, you can invite people into your life. You can let them be a part of you to get you to know you intimately. You can have union, fellowship, intimacy with them. In fact, you're not just going to be able to do that. You're going to want to do it because you're going to want to share time with fellow travelers. That's the, the, the next thing in, in your note sheets. The hound craves community with the pack. The hound craves community with the pack. There's nothing better than being with people who are shaped the way that you're shaped, who have the same goals and mission in life that you have, who have the same beliefs and, 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 and hopes that you have, and then to do life with them together. The last thing that, that John says, he says, and so the blood of Jesus, his son, cleans us from all sin. I wanted to take a minute to kind of explain this because this, um, this right here uh, the, the blood of Jesus um, cl cleans us from all sin, it can lead to some confusion. Um, and, and the reason is, is that it sounds like, if you're looking in the text, if we are walking in the light as he himself is in the light, we have union with one another, and so the blood of Jesus cleans us from sin. As if our forgiveness from God is dependent on us walking in the light or having union with each other. As though it might be that our eternal life, our destiny with God, our forever life is somehow dependent on us walking in the light 
and having union with one another. Because if that were the case, then we'd have a lot of bad news. Because I know that every person here, like myself, has known that at times of your life, you haven't been in union with others. You haven't been walking in the light. And in fact, you're not even sure if that's going to be the case tomorrow or the next week or two years from now. You don't know what your life is going to look like in the future. And if it's the case that your eternal destiny, the eternal life of God is somehow dependent on those things, then you at any moment could be in danger of losing your eternal destiny, of no longer having the eternal life within you and somehow falling out of God's hands. Well, that's a, just a terrible reading of this. I, no, don't think that. Here's why. If you, if you notice, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleans us from all sin. Well, that's temple language. It's, uh, it's language of, of how the priest would do stuff in the temple. The temple's gone at the time that, that John's writing. Uh, the temple has been destroyed. The Romans have sacked it. Um, and so Jewish people are like, what do we do now if we don't have a temple? And John and the Christians say, oh, but we do have a temple. It's called the church. It's the community of faith. Well, one of the things that would happen at the temple is uh, you'd, you'd get your, your sacrifice, um, a lamb or a goat, depending on which uh, ritual you're performing. And uh, the, the lamb or goat's neck would be um, opened up with a knife by the priest. The priest would, I know this is gross, but it's true, you got to know it. Sometimes kids like this stuff, but we'll see. Uh, the priest would actually dip his hands in uh, the blood and would begin to spackle it around the altar um, and on uh, his or another priest's clothes so that um, <laughs> sacrifice was a really gross uh, ritual, and I'm glad we don't have to do it anymore. Uh, but yes, yeah, and, and the reason he was doing this was to um, clean everything. Um, it, it, was, it was almost like uh, 409 going around the temple, and so if you spackled it on the altar, it would be like 409 cleaning things off. Um, and, and because uh, it was sort of like um, getting ready uh, for a really nice dinner. Um, an example, uh, sometimes uh, my parents will invite us out to a really nice dinner. Um, imagine that your parents or, or you have children, you're inviting them out to a nice dinner. You've been invited to this nice dinner. It's going to be at a five-star restaurant. Ruth's Chris, you know, one of those nice places, places you can't normally afford. So you're pretty excited about it. You've had a long day at the mines. Um, any coal miners here? No? Okay. Uh, so you've been, not West Virginia. You've been working in the mines um, all day, and uh, you come out, you're sooty, right? Although you got soot all over you. You're really hot because of all the strenuous work you've been doing, like pickaxing the, the coal mine. And so um, you decide to come home, but oh my gosh, you're running late. So you don't really have time to uh, take a shower. So, and, and you're super hot, so uh, you just tear off your shirt, go shirtless, um, and then a couple, some, some shorts just to cool down. And you run out to Ruth's Chris, and you sit down, and you're like, Hey, Mom and Dad, ready for dinner. It's going to be a bad dinner. It's going to be a terrible encounter with your parents. They're going to be like, You are completely inappropriate for this context. Here I am. I'm shelling out the big bucks so you can have an amazing meal. And you're showing up, and you're, you're covered in coal. You smell terrible because you haven't showered. You, this is just unacceptable. This is a really, really bad encounter. Well, the, the spackling of the blood at the temple was very much like that. Only the encounter was not between you and your parents, but between the people and God. And before you're ready to spend time with God, to worship Him, to be 
in communion with him, to be transformed by him. Before you're ready for that, you've got to freshen up. And for whatever reason, freshening up meant spackling blood on stuff. But here's the thing. So imagine that I did that. I go, I show up at my parents. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And they're like, get out. Just, you try again. Notice one thing. It's true. We had a terrible encounter. But I'm still their son. I'm still, I'm not out of the family, right? Likewise, in the, in the ancient world, if you um, came and, and you weren't prepared for temple sacrifice, you weren't prepared for worship, um, you might be excluded from worship, but you were still an Israelite. You were still a member of God's family. That can't be taken away from you. What, what John is saying is he's saying, hey, when you're getting ready for worship, when you're getting ready for transformation, when you're getting ready to encounter God, you know, we used to spackle blood. Well, now Jesus' blood is spackled on you when you do these things. When you walk in the light, when you have your life shaped by the scriptures, when you're enjoying union and intimacy with your brothers and sisters in Christ, when you're doing those things, you're ready to have a great encounter with God. You're ready to be close to him. You've freshened up. You're not kicked out of the family if you don't, but you won't have the life that you've been called to live. And this is the theme of 1 John again. The eternal life that you've been called to live, it's deep in your belly, it's flowing in your, in your veins. If you want to have it, if you want to experience it, if you want to live it, then don't go after the guru who's the fox. Instead, find someone like the hound, somebody who's shaped by the scriptures, somebody who's deeply in communion with people, other Christians, find those people, live with those people, live like those people, and you will start to notice that the life you are living is the eternal life of God, the life of heaven, right now. So, you need to know your Bibles. If you don't know your Bible, like, uh, that's okay. We're, We're in a culture now that doesn't emphasize that. I understand. But if you really want to live the eternal life, you've got to be shaped by Scripture. doesn't mean you've got to memorize every verse in there. That would take a long time. But it does mean you need to know it. You need to be in deep with its rhythms. You need to spend time with it. It needs to, to curve and shape your life. And if you're not that, then I recommend, highly recommend, I can do a little bit week to week. You know, we get 38 minutes a week where I'm yelling at you and you're like deciding whether or not you're going to go to sleep. Uh, that's what we get. That's our thing, 38 minutes a week. Okay, that's not enough. That is not going to get you from point A to point B. Instead, you need to find a place and a time and a way to get into Scripture with people that you trust, with other hounds. And if that's a Bible study, then please be a part of a Bible study. But you also got to be with people. Uh, We're going to be signing up for small groups here um, in a little bit. I had this great idea. I mean, it was kind of Scott's idea, but I took it and ran with it. I'm calling it I think we're going to do this. Don't hold me to it. I think we're going to call it Guys Night Out. It's going to be a small group for men. Uh, and it, I'm, I'm hoping that it won't even be a small group. I'm hoping it's just going to be awesome. Because um, the idea would be like, the guys get together and we do something that guys like. Like I was thinking we could play poker. right? But what, at the, not gambling though. You bring your 20 bucks and then at the end, whoever wins gets to donate the money to like a charity, a Christian charity. So it's, so it's, so it's, not, it's not evil. Okay? It's, this is walking in the light. Okay? There's nothing in the Bible that says no, no poker. Okay? That's not in there. All right? So just a thought. And then maybe, you know, we're talking about shooting guns. 
Doug's good at it now. So maybe we could have, you know, some time with the, the shooting range. Uh, John Wick 2 came out on Friday. Uh, not a movie for my wife. Really more of a movie for the guys. I'm just thinking something like that once a week. Here's my point. Okay, Christy can come too. It's guys and Christy. <laughs> I, I don't mean to be sexist. I'm just, it's not, not my intent. Uh, <laughs> what I'm saying though is that I want to have a time where, where, where we're transparent with each other. We're doing life together. And we're, we're living together. We're a part of each other's lives. We're open and exposed together. And if that's something that you need, I encourage you to find a small group or um, even just take that, that, that really hard thing. Hey, man, I saw you at church. Let's do something. Anything, even, even, even that. But if you begin and live these things, then you will start to be the hound. You will not be the fox. That is the last thing on your note sheets. If you want to live out your eternal life today, don't be the fox. Be the hound. Let's pray. Father, I pray that um, we'll all be hounds for you, God. That we will know that the eternal life is deep within us and that we will seek to live it out soaked and shaped by the scriptures, deeply in communion with each other, and that in that we will find and realize and accept and live the life that you put into us, the life that we will live in heaven forever, the life that the whole world wishes it had right now. God, make us aware of the foxes. Let us be aware of them. Let us expose them uh, in the light of your word. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.